journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. You're listening to The World of Horror. I'm your host, Andy. Horror author Stephen King listed I Bury the Living as one of his favorite films in his 1981 nonfiction book, Dance Macabre, but criticized the ending. In the forward to King's short story, Obits, published in 2015 in his The Bizarre Bad Dreams collection, he referenced I Bury the Living and noted that the story was inspired by the film. Science has learned that all people possess mental powers which pass the boundaries of the natural. This is the story of a man confronted by such strange forces within himself. At this moment, he is looking at a thing of evil, a thing that takes possession of the mind and compels it to kill. I destroyed them. Something in me killed them. Seven pins went in, and the seven people died, not one, seven. Who put in those pins, you did, all seven. Maps and pins can't kill alone. The power of a human brain has to be behind them. A terror spawned in the hellish unknown, seeking warm, living flesh to drag down into the bowels of the earth. Yeah, so this uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about I Bury the Living from 1958. And joining me on this episode to help me talk about this movie is my co-host, Dave. Hey, Dave, how's it going? What's up, Andy? Not much. I decided this was one of those movies where uh, you had said that you really liked this movie. So I thought, hey, man, this is the next on the list. I should have you come on and, uh, and to help me uh, do this episode. I think it's just better... Uh, with someone who's a big time fan that you know to talk about this movie, we can kind of talk about it and have some fun talking about it. Yeah, for sure, man. I feel like this is a really good Halloween themed movie. Like it puts you in the horror spirit. That's right. This is our Halloween episode. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, um, but no, I agree. This this def- this movie definitely has a creepy feel to it. Um, you know, it's set in a cemetery. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's really cool. Um, and like, so talking about like thinking about this movie, like my first exposure to this movie was actually on the the Mill Creek Fifty movie set. I had never even heard of this movie before I bought that collection, and so I watched it. And I, you know, this has been a movie I just watched and kind of forgot about. And uh, then I kind of heard Dave talk about it, and. Uh, and so I knew that he was a fan, and I, this kind of came up. You know, I was doing this Forgotten Horror series. I'm like, hey, this movie's on here. I, I kind of want to do it, take a second look at this movie. But yeah, this time around, I really kind of like took notes and, and really paid attention to the movie. And I, I think I walked away with a better understanding of it, and and just kind of noticing, you know, some of the style behind this movie. You know, it it does have a certain flair to it, a different, uh, you know, you you kind of notice some things on a second watch and. And, you know, I wanted to talk about, and Dave, do you know about how this movie has a tie to 
the full moon empire well being somebody that always looks at writers and directors and producers of course man this movie was directed by albert band yeah and if uh the name band sounds familiar to everybody well it should if you're a fan of full moon pictures because albert band was the uh he was the father of uh charles band yep and also richard band who did a lot of music for charles band oh yeah and you know can i tell my band story real quick sure yeah okay this is not about instruments i realize how that sounds i got a band story (laughs) but um man something really funny happened so I'm going to say like 10 years ago, it could have been more, but Charles Band did a a tour, okay, through Texas, and it probably went further throughout, but he passed through Fort Worth, Texas. It was a road show. That's the word, fucking road show. Okay, he did a road show where he put like a lot of stuff on display, and he brought a couple of people on stage, kind of talked about horror. It's just a really fun thing, and so I remember I was like, oh, I got to do that. I mean, I get to see Charles Band, you know, let's do it, and so a buddy of mine, we went to this thing, and the gimmick was if you heard about it on the radio and you mentioned that you get the tickets for free. So not like, you know, you tell the radio and they send you the tickets. No, you literally have to show up, like trust that that's a thing. Tell them you heard it on the radio and they're like, Oh yeah, well here's a free ticket. So of course I believed that. (laughs) So we went to this thing in Fort Worth. It was at this like Ridgely theater. I'd never been before, but it was, it's a total cool little, uh rundown place though it definitely gives you vibes of like old school movies and so we went and i remember standing outside and i was telling them and they looked at me like i was stupid they had no idea what i was talking about and i was like oh great now i'm gonna have to pay to get into this place and there was a guy there and he was it was an older guy he's maybe 50s maybe 60s and (laughs) man he told me he was charles band's brother and i'm like thinking to myself like the musician and he's like no i'm a magician and i remember right i kind of looked at him like what and he this guy doesn't look anything like his brother but apparently he's like the third brother and i've since tried to fact check this and i think i got taken for a fool here but the guy <laughs> he had a magician act and he called himself the great bandini and so it felt kind of legit to me and he's like oh yeah you know uh, i go and do uh, magician parties at, like birthday parties and stuff like that and he's just like, if you guys are ever throwing a birthday party, you should have me come out. And I'm like, uh, well, I mean, that, I mean, you're Charles Brand's brother, right? That sounds pretty cool. And so I took his business card or whatever. And so he, but he got us into the show for free. So oh, I don't wow. know how he did that. If he was like, maybe he charges more for the birthday party. And so, you know, he paid a little to get us in and then we pay more. Cause dude, we ended up having him come out and do a birthday party. <laughs> I, literally, I, I literally did and he he was the great bandini the whole time and i wish i had been more nosy and been like yo so are you really like i mean i didn't want to call him out and question him because he claimed to be charles band's brother so who am i to say you're not but at the same time i could have been like you got like a picture with him like maybe i could just have it but anyway we got to go to the show it was really cool got to see a lot of the um puppet master dolls and stuff like that up close and personal so it was a really cool experience i was too broke to afford to buy anything except i did purchase that four pack it was a Stuart gordon box set the little dvd thing you know what i'm talking about it has um a lot of the edgar Allan poe stuff they did in it and like castle freaking it was totally awesome but yep that was kind of my connection about as close as i ever got because i did get to see charles band but i had some weirdo at my house who claimed to be his brother and that was just kind of funny yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, 
I've tried to Google it. I, I really can't find this great Bandini guy anywhere. Like maybe he's a ghost. Did that even happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so apparently this is uh, Albert Band's first uh, horror film that he directed. He did a Western before this one. And he'd go on to do some a lot of other movies. He did like Dracula's Dog in 1978. He did Ghoulies 2, two in 1987. Uh, Dr. Mordred in 1992. Oh, he did Robot Wars in 93. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's done quite a few things. So that's cool. Um, but, yeah, this was his first thing. And uh, so give him you know, props for that. I mean, and it's cool that it has the tie to Full Moon Pictures. Um, cool. Yeah, so this movie, if, if people don't know about this movie, basically the setup or the, the plot is... It's it's a guy. He's recently taken over the, uh, or he's part of like a like a board of directors for the cemetery, and like it's his turn to be the chairman, I guess, the chairman of the board or something like that. And it's like a some other businessmen in the area that they are all on the board of the cemetery, so it's his turn to be the chairman. So I don't know. I guess it rotates around or something. Yeah, they just and, kept calling it the committee. Yeah, the committee. So basically, he's just in charge of the cemetery, and he he's like in charge of like. You know, making sure the caretaker's doing his job and stuff like that. So he has this little office there on the grounds, and he goes there and he meets the caretaker, and it's this older guy. And he shares a really nice name, doesn't he? Yeah, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, the caretaker kind of shows him how things work at the cemetery. You know, they've got this in the office. They've got this map on the wall, and it basically is a map of the cemetery. And it shows you all the plots of the cemetery and which ones are reserved or which ones are occupied. And uh, so the white pins go for the ones that the plots that are just reserved and the black pins go on there. If somebody's actually buried in there, is that right? Yeah. Now are the white pins actual reservations or are they vacancies? Okay. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) As far as we know, they're empty. That's what we know. Yeah. And so basically, so when somebody gets buried, you put a black pin on the the plot and that, you know, so that's the basic idea for how the the cemetery operates. Pretty simple. Well, he just like he uh, this young couple, they just got married. And I guess after they got married, their first thought was, hey, let's go buy burial plots. I don't know. (laughs) That's what my first thought was. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so. So they buy these burial plots. He mistakenly sticks the black pins in their plots instead of white ones, I guess, or whatever. And so, and then they die in a car wreck. And he and he starts, you know, thinking, man, I do I have the power to kill people just by sticking the black pins in their burial plots? You know, he's he's, he's got this run through his mind. So, you know, as the story progresses, it it kind of goes on, and he we kind of see, you know it's it's starting to happen like he's starting to see weird things happen where if he puts a black pin in somebody's plot that they die so and he actually like he experiments with this and it like kind of comes true and it goes on and you find out what's going on so now if you've never seen this movie i would suggest you watching the movie before you listen to the episode just because me and dave are going to talk you know talk about the movie in depth and we're going to spoil it uh so fair warning so I, I really like the way this movie uh, is is structured because, you know, as it starts off, you think it's some kind of supernatural thing that's happening. So at the beginning of the movie, it says science has learned that man possesses powers which go beyond the boundaries of the natural. 
This is the story of one confronted by such strange forces within himself. So, yeah, you get this whole idea of, okay, psychic powers, mind over matter, being able to control your body or control other people's fates with your mind. And so I like how it's, it's structured because you're thinking, you're going into it thinking, okay, this is going to be something like paranormal, uh, supernatural. This is like Twilight Zone territory here. Yes. I think this that you this goes to show how good of a director Albert Band was because the the characters are really likable. I think they do a good job with what they have to work with. You're introduced to the main guy, the, the chairman and his fiance or his girlfriend, and they're really likable. They have good chemistry on on screen. I feel like, and you know, even the the caretaker, the old guy Andy, he's 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 done really well by the actor. Um, what what did you think about the characters in, in this one, Dave? Love the characters, man. You got Richard Boone who plays the title role. He's uh, Robert Kraft, and he's so likable in this movie. Uh, a lot of people who like older TV programming will recognize him because he was kind of everywhere, especially westerns. Uh, one of his most popular roles was Have Gun, Will Travel. I remember seeing him from that before. Um, just a side note, that western comes on really early in the morning, so if you wake up and you don't want to watch the news, watch Have Gun, Will Travel. But uh, he totally works you know, as a lead character because he he's able to grab the audience and make us kind of feel in the middle where we think he's doing it, but we're not quite sure. Like we're left on his suspicion. And I feel like the caretaker is a perfect sidekick for him because first off, he's like Scottish and he has a real thick accent. And so uh, no subtitles, unfortunately, (laughs) you just got to listen really good. But the guy has a lot of charm. He's really funny. And uh, the vibes that you get is that the caretaker understands the pressure that Mr. Kraft is in and he's going to do everything he can to help him. But there's also this sense that he's going to lose his job. And so I don't know, you can kind of assume that he's going to be a jerk about it, but he's not. And that really works for the plot. Yeah. I mean, cause like one of, unfortunately one of uh, Kraft's first, first orders of business is to tell Andy that, Hey, uh, we're going to have you retire. Don't worry, you're gonna get a full pension. You're like you're gonna get paid, you just don't have to come to work. You know, I'd be like, shoot, yeah, cool. <laughs> and he's like, I don't gotta dig graves no more. Awesome. <laughs> Man, but you, that, you that would be a side story, real quick. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, what's that? So, um, I may or may have not um, looked into being a person who works at a cemetery <clears throat> somewhat recently, and uh, I was really bummed out about all the things they actually do, like. I kind of want to work in a cemetery because of the horror aspects that I love, and that's just a cool place to be, you know? And I can handle all the morbid stuff, no big deal. And I'm pretty sane, so it works. But then I'm like, ah, oh, they got to mow the grass too? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to yeah. run a weed eater. <laughs> yeah, it's probably you're probably more of like a lawn care business than anything else. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I just need to be the undertaker is the thing. Oh, yeah. Not the caretaker. That's where I messed up. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, that's got to be kind of a crappy thing for your first, one of your first duties in a new job is you have to tell somebody that they're, basically, they're they're forced to retire. And uh, so, yeah, and, and it seems like Andy takes it pretty well. Uh, but he wants to make sure things are set up, you know, as he, before he leaves. And and, and one thing, so, so the antagonist of this movie or what appears to be the antagonist, as weird things begin to happen, it's the map. The right. map in the office is like our our threat, almost like our uh, 
not really a villain per se, but it's interesting because it's the whole mechanism for how people are dying. But I, I love the look of this map because if you really look at it, it looks like it has eyes. Yes. You know, the the cemetery is kind of structured in a way where there's a couple of uh, paths to the cemetery that kind of go in circles. And uh, yeah, they look like eyes. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, this is probably like the scariest map in horror history, you know? <laughs> yeah, if you did like a top five maps in horror movies, this should be number one. Just <clears throat> Fright Club. Window. Yep. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool because I'd never really seen that before. Did somebody make a map, you know, kind of scary and kind of threatening. Andy, have you ever been to a cemetery and went to like, I guess, what the central office would be? No, I've never been to a cemetery that has an office like that. Yeah, most of them, um, at least according to like the notes in here, they like built that just for the set. But I assume there's some building, but not with a map like that. And I'm going to tell you, I went to one uh, within the last five years, and this is the only time I've ever been. And I was really disappointed that it looked nothing like that. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, what is this? Where are the black and white pins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Want to cause some damage. <laughs> Yep, technology just ruins everything. <laughs> Tell me about it. But uh, this movie definitely had a Final Destination vibe to it, I think. You know, I with, agree. Yeah. Um, and, and even, like, later on when he, when he tries to, quote-unquote, like, like cheat death, I guess, or you yes. know, when he tries to, like, stop things from happening. Or And I, I thought it was interesting that uh, the police were actually exploring the supernatural angle, angle or they actually took it seriously, you know, with, with uh, Robert Kraft and his you know supposed abilities and and i think that this 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 is a good example of psychological horror you know this movie has a good psychological angle to it because you know if, if you're this guy and you're thinking they're actually killing people by putting the pins in this map i mean that would that would really have an effect on you i think you're like man am i should i even be still should i still even be alive anymore you know am i uh you know am i causing more harm than good you know but you know, kind of those kind of questions will kind of go into your brain you know i think yeah it falls into that position of playing god yeah yeah for sure so it, it's it's definitely a good setup good a great idea for a, a suspenseful movie um another element that i thought was effective was the score i, I really like the score on this one because it kind of had that that 60s feel to it that i don't know i think it's like a harpsichord or something like that and mm. um but yeah, it's just it's something that really felt like it came out of the late 50s or early 60s. And it just kind of gives you that suspenseful or that kind of spooky atmosphere. For sure. And speaking of atmosphere, I love the cemetery. I do wish, though, that we could have spent more time amongst the graves. We spend most of our time in the office with the map, and, and it works. But uh, I if they ever remade this movie, I think there's this whole undiscovered element of horror that uh, maybe James Wan can bring. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that because he does a lot with like set design and and supernatural. Just, yeah, supernatural. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I mean, as as the movie goes along, you know, we and we keep talking about this map, you know, and and it's it's interesting uh, how as you know, Robert Kraft keeps kind of like slipping into depression yeah and just kind of the psychological effects like we see the map actually gets bigger <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> think i wall. caught that on the very first watch but it was clear yeah. as day on the second one and i had julie watch this uh with me the other day 
And uh, I had to point that out to her because, again, it's so subtle, but then it's right in your face. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I totally didn't notice this uh, on the first watch through. And, yeah, the the map definitely gets bigger. And so, like, I think towards the end of the movie, as things are kind of building up, I think the map kind of takes up the whole wall or something. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like him standing in front of this big map with the eyes looking at him. And it's, it's really cool. I, I really like that. But... As the movie goes along, you're wondering what is going on, like, because you even there's even one scene where we see one of the people die, and so so it kind of it to me it kind of really lends credence to the supernatural angle, because you really don't see anything happen to the guy. He just kind of kills over and dies, you know. Croaks. Um, and and then like towards the end of the movie, you start seeing these graves being dug up, like. Okay, what are we gonna get? We're we gonna get zombies in this movie. I mean, is this because I think this is even before Night of the Living Dead, at least but, 10 years before, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I well, thought that was really cool. And it doesn't help that if you look at the poster, it looks like a zombie movie, it really, really oh, does. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. But the reason that we get the open graves is because it's like reverse psychology in his point of view. It's like if I can put a black pin and kill somebody, can I put a white pin and essentially give them life again? And for a second, we kind of see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, it just really gets your mind going, like, where's this movie going? And and uh, so that, that was really cool. Um, and I, I love I love, I love, love the scenes where he's running through the graveyard. This Robert Kraft, he's running through the graveyard, and he's, he's checking out the graves, and he's seeing all these open graves, and it's just yes. really freaky. And uh, so then, you know, as, as we go through, as we kind of find out at the end of the movie, it's actually the caretaker all along. That's been, uh, I guess now it wasn't super clear to me. Is he actually killing people? Is that, I mean, obviously he, he's doing something to make people die. Right. See, and that's the thing too, is obviously he dug the graves graves and took the people out to, to try to make Robert Kraft go crazy. But how far could he have taken it in his plot for revenge to kill people if, um, like, Stuart and Lynette Drexel, the married couple, if they died in an auto accident? Like, was he driving the other car? Did he cut the brakes? Like, how far does this go? Yeah, and and we see we see one guy die on screen, and he just kind of, like... But it's interesting, though, how they shoot it, because the camera kind of zooms in. Like, you don't see, like, the guy's head when he falls over or when he dies. You just, right. the camera kind of zooms down to just the phone when well, he's, because he's on a phone call. Exactly. And um, there's the one where he calls and he waits on, on hold and the lady, like, goes upstairs to check on him to find her husband dead. And so are we to understand that Andy McGee was also at that person's house? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think so because that's really cool. It's a clever, it, it's like... You're watching this movie, and you want it to be supernatural, and you suspend your disbelief, and you're, you're sold into it. But then when it turns out to be this twist ending, you're also kind of satisfied there was something you didn't expect. Yeah. So, all in all, I mean, this is a this is a cool little flick, a cool little horror flick. I mean, um, I think this could be something that people that aren't necessarily into horror movies could really could probably get in, into because uh, it's pretty light on the horror. You know, it's it's more of a mystery. Uh, it's it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode, I would say. A hundred percent. I've said uh, that so many times, and I, I was actually really bummed out to find in the trivia that somebody else said that, and I'm like, oh, I thought that was. And then I hear you say it, I'm like, I guess it really is. Like everybody can tell. 
But hey, man, the movie is only an hour and seventeen minutes. It's a perfect watch. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty short watch, and so and then I think right now it's yeah, like two two and Prime is your best bet probably. Um, I see that there's like a Blu-ray out from like Screen Factory, so there's probably a pretty good transfer on that. But yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a like a better transfer of it. Just so I think some of the night scenes when he's uh, going through the cemetery night, I think some of that stuff was kind of hard to see. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I have the movie on DVD. This was released as one of the MGM like late night horror specials, and I collected as many of those as I could find. I didn't get to explain it, but my first time watching this was way back in like 2000. So I saw this movie like 26 oh, years yeah. ago on DVD, um, just because I used to always like. Every week I'd go spend uh, $10.81 and I'd buy one new you know DVD that was $9.99. I remember the tax. And uh, a lot of them were these older movies. And it was really cool to collect all the MGM ones because they looked really cool on the shelf, you know. And this was one that I had watched so many times because I love Twilight Zone. And I just thought it was a real creepy movie. So I, I said the same thing to Julie. I was like, this, is, this deserves an HD transfer. And so the only bump thing is on the DVD, there's no special features. So... I'd look into that shop factory one because if there's any special features, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for checking out this episode, our Halloween episode, as it turns out. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned. I've got another uh, Forgotten Horror series in the works. And uh, so, Dave, uh, thanks for stopping by and helping me out on this episode. Let the listeners know where they can hear more of you. That's right, man. And the funny thing is, if they want to hear more of me, they're also going to hear more of you because uh, I've been bringing you on the podcast a lot. You guys can hear us over at the All Things Dave podcast because while everybody's celebrating horror, I took some time to celebrate sci-fi, even though some of these sci-fi movies have a little bit of horror in there. And recently, Andy put a movie on the table for me to watch called The Hidden from 1987. It's fantastic. If you're a fan of Invasion of the Body Snatchers or X-Files, I invite you to come over and check out the episode. And if you like what you hear, stay tuned because there is going to be another one with Andy right around the corner. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You've been listening to The World of Horror.